The Canadians lose by a score of four to nothing in Carolina versus the Hurricanes. I think there's one really, really good thing that came out of this four nothing loss to the Hurricanes. The coach says they did a much better job tonight than last game. Much better job at what exactly? Trying to figure it out. The two kids went to school today. Actually, it was the Hurricanes that took them to school. And one Montreal Canadiens player says he has a lot of respect for what he saw on the other side. We'll talk about it all and more. Your Canadiens talk. I bring in J.P. O'Connor on the Sick Podcast. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Marinero, the sick podcast, and joining me tonight from TSN 690, Laval Rocket Color Man, J.P. O'Connor, what's going on? How you doing tonight, Tony? I'm doing extremely well. How are you? I'm doing great. Tough loss for the Canadians tonight, but I'm doing good. Yeah, let's take a look at the lineup uh, before we talk about the game. Let's go. Here it is right on the screen if you're watching. And by the way, you can watch via Facebook, via Twitter, and via Instagram at The Sick Podcast. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. All right, so one lineup change for the Montreal Canadiens, and that is Tyler Pitlick, Black Eyes and all, was in, and Matthew Perot was out. We'll take a look at the first line. Suzuki with Caulfield to his left. And Yoel Armia on his right. Dvorak in between Anderson on his right and Byron on his left. Evans in between Hoffman on his right and Rem Pitlick on his left. And Laurent Dauphin centered the fourth line with Pitlick on his right and Yelonen on his left. On defense, Romanov, Savard, Edmondson, Justin Barron, Corey Schooneman, and Chris Weidman. In goal, Jake Allen with Samuel Montembeau. Backing him up. All right, okay, where do we start? Let's start with this. What did Yoel Armia do exactly, J.P. O'Connor, to earn himself a promotion and go on the first line? Or is it more so a demotion for Josh Anderson, who hasn't done much as of late? Or is it more so the coach trying to find a little bit more balance in his lines? I think that's it. I think you're looking more of a question of balance, Tony, and, and trying things out. We've heard St. Louis talk about this a lot and you you know you see it whether it's young guys getting opportunities on power plays or uh you know somebody like armia this evening and moving up to a line where in all likelihood he doesn't necessarily deserve to be there but we've seen what ul armia can do in the past when he's going well when he's playing with decent players and maybe they're just trying to find something uh, find some kind of little spark there and and you know we remember last year with armia and, and i, I want to talk about this quickly if you don't mind but sure was there, was there a line out there tonight on the Carolina team that reminded you of the line that Armia played on last year in the playoffs. Uh, you're talking about uh, the line that he played on with uh, with Eric Stahl and Corey Perry. You got it. And when I look at Stahl, oddly enough, his brother, and yes. you look at Niederreiter, yeah. and you look at Fast, boy, yeah. were those guys ever dominant down low tonight? It was something that we saw Yoel Armia do so well on that line last year was control pucks, was lift sticks, was use that big frame of his. 
And I look at a guy like Marty St. Louis and he says, listen, if I can get him up there, I'm going to give him a shot because he can create space. He can buy some time for these guys. And all those guys need is one look, but it's frustrating because he's just yeah. been so inconsistent yeah. throughout his career. I'm glad you actually brought that up because if I'm Marty St. Louis, I'm going up to Kent Hughes. And if I'm identifying one player on that Carolina Hurricanes team that I'd love to acquire some way, somehow next season, it would be yes per fast because St. Louis has said that he wants to play fast this way. He could. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the, uh, I thought that was, this is, it's a no comedian, but well, that's it. It looks like you might've had a yeah. slug of that beer in front of you there. Uh, you're probably right about it. It's 8.6 beer. As a matter of fact, intense, like Walk me along. by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And also brought to you by Lacash. JP, if the last time you went to Lacash was when the Habs won the cup, well, you got to go back and you got to go back with me this time because I've been twice in the past week alone. Uh, at Lacash, once in the Carry and once in LaSalle, the menu will surprise you. I got to tell you, the uh, the Triple uh, A Angus nine ounce, mwah, the chicken tenders, mwah, uh, that dish where you have the chicken tenders, the potato skins, uh, the chicken wings, and uh, and uh, what else is it exactly? I'm trying to remember now. Uh, anyway, some cheese uh, sticks in there. Yeah, you know what? I, I now I forget, but it's 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 really good, by the way. Okay, so, anyway, I'm jumping in here. Let me tell you something real quick. I just came back from Saint Saint tonight, where my boy played. Okay, and Jean Bedard, who is the chairman of uh, Casual Sport, who's of the or the of La Cage. Yeah, uh, he has the Cage du Directeur in Saint Saint, which is the the real high end, really good looking one. And I would recommend it if you can get a chance to get up there, Tony. I'm telling gonna, you, it is. I'm a, get up there. It's as good a place. As you got, uh, you know what? I believe it, man. I believe it because they've they've revamped, which is what the Montreal Canadiens want to do. All right. Um, did you have a problem with uh, with Matthew? Listen, I know it's not a big deal. We're not going to lose sleep over this. But what did Matthew Perot do exactly to come out of the lineup for Tyler Pitlick with his two black eyes and all to go in? So we just finished uh, having a discussion about our media and giving guys opportunities, and and I think more than anything that it's about that. It's you know, okay. Perot is going to give you what he gives you. And and I think that uh, when you have an opportunity to get a guy like Pitlick back in, then, then you're going to give it a try. There's nothing really to lose at this point, is there? But if yeah. you want to give guys auditions and, and slide them in there. So, uh, you know, anytime Perot is going to go in there, he's going to, he's going to perform kind of as advertised with what yeah. he has left right now. So I don't think it's anything more than that. All right, so early on in the hockey game, Laurent Dauphin in the defensive zone picks up a cross-checking penalty behind Jake Allen's net. It took the Carolina Hurricanes all but five seconds. When you're a really good team, you tend to have killer instinct, and they do. They go on the power play. Aho wins a face-off in the offensive zone versus Jake Evans. The puck goes back to D'Angelo, who finds Tara Vinen, whose shot is deflected by Aho. So, you know what? Sometimes goals come uh, courtesy of the other team making mistakes, and Jake Evans loses the faceoff. The puck goes back to the point. No one can get to him. The pass goes over to Teravainen. No one can get to him. His shot is able to make its way through, and it's able to be deflected by Aho, who no one is able to pick up or get in his way. And it's one nothing for Carolina. That's how they start the game. Four minutes later, you know, JP, I think in this hockey game, and there were probably more, but you correct me. If, like, I remember... Three scoring chances for the Canadians, and they weren't all that great, by the way. Mm -hmm. I remember Jake Evans about four minutes after Carolina scored. He had a chance to tie it up, yeah. jumped on a loose puck. He took the defenseman to the outside. He got a shot on Freddie Anderson, who made the save. 
I think ULR Mia had one in the slot in period number three, and Josh Anderson hit a crossbar. But this Carolina team, they gave the Canadians very, very little. Well, there's two things that that Carolina does real well, and and obviously we know the first one is defend, right? We we yeah. know that that's just a foregone conclusion. But the other thing that they do so well is they love to run from the front, and the minute that they get that first goal, it is a real slog trying to get yeah. back into it, and it and it really is a reflection of Rod Brindamore and 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 the way that he demands that team plays with that. Yeah with that structure. So I, I'm sure we'll get to Brindamore at some point, but if those I are the, can, if yeah, I, go can, ahead. I was watching Auntie Sham after the game and our buddy PJ stock actually brought up that point that the Carolina hurricanes really are a reflection of their coach right now. And he added to that their dominance in the faceoff circle where they're one of the best five teams in the national hockey league. I don't quite remember where they are, but they're one of the best five teams. Well, they're number four, Tony. They're number yeah. four right now. And they're sitting yeah. at 53% as a team, which is pretty impressive. And tonight they were 65% to the Canadians, 35%. And by the way, if there's one guy who really struggled in the circle tonight, it was Nick Suzuki, who I believe won only five of 18 draws or something yeah, like that. That's right. He You're was bang on. He was 28% in the faceoff circle you know, for Suzuki, who went 28% in the face-off circle tonight, and him and Cole Caulfield were minus two apiece, even though they got a lot of minutes. Tonight was one of those nights where they went to school, right? They they were learning tonight. They of were course. learning. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and, and it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. And it's not just going to happen this year. It's going to happen next year, too. And it might even happen the year after that, because there are a lot of solid squads that are out yeah. there. At Carolina, they're going to have a couple of things that they need to change. But for the most part, that's that group is going to be intact. So, you know, there, there's plenty of teams out there who, who are playing some solid defense and, yeah. and who are going to be able to close these guys down. The key there, I think, is for, you know, the, you see that kind of pushback that you saw this evening in Suzuki, right? Yeah. Who looked to me like there was a certain amount of frustration in, in his game. He was playing on it, but, but it brought out him he playing found it hard tonight. He found for it hard. sure. Of yeah. course he found it hard, but here's yeah. the kicker is that he was playing on his toes tonight. He was engaged tonight, even though there was a frustration level, things weren't happening for him. A lot of occasions, especially with really skilled players, there might be a tendency to sit back a little bit in that, in that instance. And you didn't see that from Suzuki tonight. And to me, that is a sign of progression. Yeah, and playing on your toes is good. It worked out real well for Fred Flintstone when he would go bowling. <laughs> oh, twinkle toes. Twinkle toes, Flintstone. That's it. <laughs> and also, he was on his toes when he was doing the twitch. Remember that? Oh, There's the a place I know where the hipsters go called Bedrock. Love it. Twitch, twitch. <laughs> I love it. We Listen, we could go down a rabbit hole, me and you on this one with this, oh, man. With, uh, with stupid good looking and maybe even, uh, maybe even Goggles Paisano. Goggles Paisano driving up the wall like uh, like uh, people drive home on the freeway and stuff like that. Oh, man, I was a big fan of the uh, of the Flintstones. And we're going to way out, way out. All right, okay, let's get away from that or else we're really going to get carried away. JP, they say in hockey, uh, if you're on the opposing side, you really don't want to give up a goal in the first period of play or in the last period of play. And obviously, if you're on the offensive side and you're scoring those goals, you want to score in the first minute or in the last minute. Carolina was already up one nothing. What a play here, but this shows really the determination of the Hurricanes and in particular, the toughness of Sveshnikov because with about 22 seconds left at around the Canadians' blue line, he gets laid out by David Savard. Mm -hmm. He gets up. Trocek, by the way, does a great play. He separates Suzuki from the puck and gets it over to the other side where I believe... 
He finds Max Domi, who then finds Slavin, who throws it out in front of the net. Zvechnikov and Savard are jostling. Savard is cross-checking him or, or trying to rough him up. But for whatever reason, he doesn't want to tie up his stick. Zvechnikov just got his stick on the ice, redirects it in. There you go, 2 nothing. And I'm sure that when David Savard goes back and sees that replay, he's going to say, why didn't I tie up his stick? <laughs> right? Sure. I, I, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, there's always going to be situations like that. You're not expecting that puck to come out of the corner there, are you? I, 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 I don't you. think. I don't think I would. Be. I hear you, yeah. And if... And if I'm looking at it and I'm being critical of that play, then I'm yeah. also going to have a chat with Cole Caulfield on that play, who followed Edmondson into the corner. And if, you look, and if you look closely, yeah. when that puck does get squirted out from the corner and ends up you know, short-siding Jake Allen uh, off of Svechnikov's stick, mm -hmm. well, Caulfield's stick isn't on the ice. And that puck is allowed to squirt out. If he goes in there and he and he's in a in a strong defensive position uh -huh. and his stick is on the ice, then maybe that puck takes a tip and there isn't a situation there. So yes, David Savard has to tie up a stick. And yes, there's a certain degree of frustration there. But there's a few more things that happen, including I think a play that you could look at at Caulfield as a teaching play because he's not the guy that you're expecting to be down low all the yeah. time that heavy lifting is going to be done by the Suzuki's of the world or, or whoever it is that is, uh, that is, you know, taking that role on the ice. Uh, but you can definitely look at, uh, at Caulfield there and, and, and point out that if you're going to go into a corner, even if you're not going to out muscle Slavin, yeah, we'll get your stick in the ice and, and, and make sure that you're turning the puck over. So they go to period number two and two forty five into period number two. I think Jake Allen makes a, just a great left pad save off of uh, Derek Stepan. But later on, D'Angelo's shot from the point goes off of Savard. Aho picks up the loose puck. He puts it right to Teravainen. Schooneman can't get positioning on him. He makes it 3-0. Later after that, there was something that happened that I thought was pretty incredible, uh, which is a rule, by the way, but it's, it's incredible. I think they got to revisit that rule. But Nick Suzuki's in the box. The Canadians are killing a penalty. Jake Allen takes a puck off the mask. You can see that his... his uh, his strap comes loose, and the mask is obviously not very steady on right. him. Yep. And uh, and so he's he's a little bit uncomfortable with the mask that way, obviously. So, uh, you know, the puck scrambles here, there, and once it's a little bit out, he decides to take off the mask and just throw it on the ice so that the referee, who hadn't noticed that it was loose, could then notice that it's loose. So anyway, they blow it down, and Alan says, all right, thanks for blowing it down, stuff like that. The other official calls the penalty. Allen loses his mind. He goes up to him and says, what, what, you, what the hell are you guys doing? Um, Marty St. Louis said that uh, it's a rule that the ref, you know, the goalie can't throw away his mask, but Allen was upset about it because it happened early on in the season that he threw away his mask like that or threw down yeah. his mask. There was no penalty that was called. JP, that's a stupid rule, man. Well, I, I mean, it's safety first and foremost, isn't it? And, right. and let's let's remember what those those masks are designed to do. And those masks, when you take a direct shot, you know that there's no real, there's no real flat spots on them. They're all angled, yeah, uh, so that the puck is deflect off them. But whenever you do catch something, maybe off the off the the mask, mm -hmm. then those straps are designed to pop loose. That's that that's the shock absorption, yeah. And uh, and so you see, you do see goaltenders at times whenever their their mask comes loose, they'll maybe give it a shake and it pops off. Uh, but if, uh, if the referees aren't, aren't seeing it, then I think Allen is, is well within his right. I, I understand that there could be some gamesmanship in there, 
but you would like to think that more more than anything that it becomes a safety issue and that a goaltender almost gets the he almost gets uh, the benefit of the doubt on that one. Yeah. Speaking of shake, you got to see me shake, rattle, and roll on my Matrix Home Fitness T75 <laughs> treadmill with the 22-inch XUR console. Bring it home. Discover a club-quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca. Works for me. I've gone from four chins to two, uh, maybe two and a half. All right. And Betway, for the love of the game, sign up and deposit on Betway for a 100% deposit bonus. The easiest sportsbook for Canadians. E-transfers are accepted. You want to bet? Well, how about the Montreal Canadiens giving up 40-plus shots? That's happened a lot lately. And how about Jake Allen making 40-plus saves? JP, Jake Allen tonight stopping 40 of 44. He made 40-plus saves. Now, he's made 40-plus saves seven times this season. The first Canadiens goalie to do so since Yaroslav Halak in over a decade. And it's five straight games with 40-plus saves for Jake Allen, you know, there was talk whether or not the Canadians were going to trade him before the deadline. Obviously, they didn't. But there's two things that can happen here. Either A, they got to think about extending this guy next year because his contract is up at the end of next season. He'll only make 2.875 next season. Or B, if by chance they want to go in another direction, if they wanted to get his value up, man, his value is up. For sure. He's playing really well. He's playing great, and and I'll go back to, I'll go back to what I feel was his biggest game of the year, individual game of the year, and it ended up being a win. It was on the road in Pittsburgh, Tony, and it was right around yeah. U.S. Thanksgiving, and okay. I think he saved fifty-two or he saved fifty-three, and it was wow. it was it was uh, it was bedlam. I think uh, you know uh, Sidney Crosby had just checked back in; he had been out for a, you know for a little while, yeah. and all of a sudden everything was starting to click and. Allen kept them in it and he battled and he gave the Canadians exactly what the Canadians had not been getting. And that was a timely save. Now for a guy like Jake Allen to be able to do that uh, consistently with a team in front of him, that is let's be, let's be honest here. It's an inferior team this year. There's no debating that, especially when, when you see them exploited by the Florida, the two Florida teams and, and the team that was in Carolina this evening. Um, So uh, I don't know. I get a chance to see Caden Primo a lot as the as the color commentator for the Laval Rocket for six for TSN six ninety. So I get a chance to see Primo a lot. I think Primo's game is getting better. I don't think Caden Primo next year, mm-hmm. as good a kid he is and as yeah. well as he's liked, I don't think he's ready yet. Oh, and he's that's not ready. And We're that's talking. okay. And yeah. it's okay. But uh, I think maybe if he gets the opportunity to go one more full season. Then yeah. it's a different story. Maybe he's getting a little bit closer. I don't know if the Canadians need to extend a guy like Allen right now, mm-hmm. uh, because I would think that you know, with the way that he's playing, he's probably going to be looking for more than one or two years. If yeah, you know, you know what I mean. If he's if he's stopping forty on a regular basis, well, it could be the final contract of his career at that point, of right? Course. So, so yeah, he'd probably want to have three or four. Of course, exactly. So he might he might not settle for or he might settle for less money as long as he's getting the term that he wants. So yeah, I don't know if the Canadians want to be on board with a guy like Jake Allen for four more years. I I, I don't know what the I don't know what the appetite is for that. Yeah, but I would certainly be willing to have the discussion with him next year. Yeah. at some point and see you know see how that turns out.
By the way, I don't know if he wants to go into coaching at one point, but I will tell you this. If he wants to stay in the media, that guy's going to make for one hell of a color analyst one day because I really appreciate the way he sees the game, the way he uh, speaks the game, the way he describes the game, and I think he's got a real good knack for what's going on. We'll talk about him in just a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll let you know that he was pulled with 442 left in the game, uh, and later on, uh, Zvechnikov scores an empty net goal from uh, just inside the red line. He shoots into an empty cage. The shots were 16 to nine for Carolina in period number one, 26 to nine for Carolina in period number two, 26 to nine. Uh, and uh, they were 14 to two, a turnaround for the Montreal Canadiens, 44 32 were the final shots on goal. All right. Canadians lose by a score of four to nothing. Here's Jake Allen after the game. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, this is one of the best teams in the league. You know, they have a lot of respect for that group over there. You know, they're top. Six forwards play balls out every single night. You know they play on both sides of the puck. They're, they're on top of guys. They give you no time and space. They work for all their chances. You know respect a lot of players like that, and that's the culture they have on that team. And you know I think that's something that I think we're trying to build here. You know I think if we take a good look at that team over there, you know they play fast. They're on top of players. You know they're creative. I think that's what we're trying to do here. And uh, it was a good test for the guys. You know it was. Uh, I know we didn't win, and that doesn't really mean. It mean everything right now it's more just the getting the experience seeing what it really takes to to get to that next level and you know hopefully a lot of the guys learned a thing or two out there tonight and you know bring it in the future jp we talked about the young kids especially but everyone going to school tonight against that good team but i really loved his comments at the end of the game because as i was watching the game tonight and i'm sure you were thinking the same thing that marty st louis must have been looking over at rob brindamore and his team saying that's what we want to build here. And that's what Jake Allen was talking about, right? That's a team that we have to look at. We want to play like them one day. I agree. Uh, yeah. And and had had it been last year, Tony, Yeah. then I think Jake Allen would have looked and would have said that Tampa Bay would have been a team because they have, they uh, at the time that they had uh, Weber and they had Price and they had those guys, they had those kind of, older building blocks, those stable guys that you can yeah. count on. Yeah. I think that you can say definitively now that they're pivoting away from that kind of look because those guys aren't there. So you have to find a different way to do it. And if it's going to be somebody like, uh, like Carolina, I think it's a, a fair model to be looking after. All right. And now let's hear from Montreal Canadiens head coach, Marty St. Louis. Um, you can't you can't duplicate those reps in practice. Like it's just like there's it's, it's live, you know? And I felt, uh, you know, we did a much better job defending than we did um, against Florida. Uh, you know, they Carolina is a team that just brings volume of shots from anywhere, you know. So uh, where I feel Florida sometimes is more um, selective with quality of shots. And... Uh, you know, and Carolina brings a lot of chaos to their offensive game where the puck is, is, is falling towards the net a lot. And I thought we handled that pretty good, you know, uh, uh, considering the, you know, the, the, the time that they had. And, 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 and they, they're really strict in, in the sense that when we try to get out, we make a play up to the winger, their Ds are right on top of us, you know, and that's hard to play against. And it's hard to duplicate those reps to feel that pressure from everywhere. And how to handle that, you know. So to, to get better at that, you have to live it. And there's no better place to live it than it's live, you know, against a really good team. So um, I think our guys are going to get 
you know, be more prepared next time. And I think we can learn from that too on the other side and give credit to the other team. But I think it's all, it's all part of the growth of what we're trying to accomplish here. All right. I, I love part of what he said where he said we can't duplicate that in practice. And one of the reasons why you can't, Marty, is because in practice you won't have all that amount of talent that we saw on the ice. I mean, Aho, Tara Vinans, Vechnikov. I mean, those guys can play. I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, but for one of the first times since he's been hired as the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, I will respectfully disagree with Marty St. Louis when he says, I think we defended better tonight than we did against Florida. Uh, Carolina just has a chaos of shots and they'll shoot from everywhere. And I know he's trying to bring a little bit of positivity to it. And he wants the fans to say, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. But I'm going to disagree because Carolina absolutely destroyed and obliterated the Montreal Canadiens for two periods. The Canadians looked absolutely lost. Carolina made it a track beat. The Canadians couldn't keep up. The Canadians missed out on a ton of assignments. They 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 lost all the faceoffs pretty much. And the only reason why I think this game was close is because Carolina decided in the third period to take the pedal off the medal and work on their penalty kill and say, you know what? We won the game. We're going to call it a night. Now, I don't want to disrespect the Canadians by saying this. That's the way I saw it. Would, mm-hmm. would you agree with me or do you disagree here? Well, I think that um, the, the key to the whole conversation is the acknowledgement that they they look at it in two different ways. And I, and I think that Florida, um, Florida can pull you out of position and they can pass the puck around and they can outskill you. They can out-talent you. Not that Carolina isn't talented, but Carolina is far more in your face. Let's just hit you. Carolina can out team you. Yeah, but but they yeah. they'll yeah, they'll they'll yeah, and they'll bully you and they'll yeah. barge they'll barge their way around like a bull in a china shop, yeah. not unlike Rob Brindamore, right? That's like the way me, they do like it. Like me at the buffet. That's it. Get out of my way. <laughs> so you have an opportunity. <laughs> <the> buffet table. <laughs> so you have uh you have a team who in Florida got yeah. caught flat footed a lot because they didn't know how to defend against that skill. If I run out to that position, the puck is going to come back to where I I was right now. I'm just going to stay here. And everybody was frozen. Nobody was really moving around. Whereas with Carolina, I think that there was more of a concerted effort to to push back on it. It's just that when you get caught in your zone for the better part of 30 seconds and you, you, you physically start to break down, then all of a sudden the mental mistakes come. Um, and then I'll, I'll come back to what I brought up earlier on in, in the yeah. conversation is that fourth line can be a real bear, you know, the, the neater rider and stall line and, and their ability to control a puck down low and just eat away at time, eat away at time and start to sap your energy and then bully their way to the crease. I don't think that the Canadians have a lot of pushback right now for that. Yes. Edmondson is there and yes, Romanov plays uh, a hard game. I think Savard was a little bit overmatched tonight. And then you look at a guy like Barron, you look at guys like uh, like uh, Weidman, and yeah. uh, who am I missing? Corey Schooneman this evening. Uh, that 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 kind of one-on-one battle is not yeah. always going to be won. I thought Barron was a positive, by the way. 18 minutes and 40 seconds. He was even on the night. He had a couple of shots. He had a couple of hits. He had three block shots. Mm-hmm. I thought Justin Barron was good without being very good and without being great. I mean, the fact that he looked good, yeah. versus a powerhouse in the league, that's pretty good. Well, there's going to be the acknowledgement, I think, from uh, from Barron here. At, at some point, he's going to look over and he's going to say, I'm playing with Joel Edmondson right now, and he's bailing me out. He's making me look real good right now because I'm making a lot of mistakes. There's plenty of times this evening 
yeah. that, you know, he's caught on the wrong side of the yeah. puck or he's too far. It's okay. I, everybody recognizes that he's going to be making those mistakes, including the team, and they have to deal with him. That's part of being a, a young player. You're going to make those mistakes. And if St. Louis is, is comfortable in having him in, in that situation and have Edmondson ride shotgun with them, then so be it. The Canadians, I think, are more than happy to live with that and give him the opportunity to at least showcase what he's got and then decide where he's going to go. All right. So the big positive, once again, of course, was Jake Allen, uh, who stopped 40 of 44. He was absolutely very good. You know, he was fantastic tonight, yeah. let's be honest here. I mean, the fourth goal is an empty net goal, so he only gives up three goals on the night. But And a know, couple of real clutch point-blank saves yes. as well. But, you know? but I, you know what? I, I got my big positive out of tonight. For me, there's one thing that's a big positive, right? And this is it. You ready? Hit me. The Canadians gave up 44 shots. They gave up 51 versus Toronto. They gave up 46 versus Florida. They now have a record of 10, 11, and 2 under Marty St. Louis. So in 23 games, they've won 10. They've lost 13. When the Canadians had lost their first three, but then they went and won their next five, and now all of a sudden they're five and three, uh, a lot of people were they're going to accelerate this. This is going to go faster. You're going to see, and they're going to sign in the offseason. They may sign Patrice Bergeron. If they're not going to sign Patrice Bergeron, they're going to sign Christopher Letang. And if they're not going to sign Christopher Letang, today I heard that they're going to sign Claude Giroux. Can we please stop? I get it. Gallagher wasn't there. Petrie wasn't there. Carey Price wasn't there. I hate to break it to you. Carey Price, Gallagher, and Petrie are not going to get better going forward, okay? So let's let's not pretend like they're going to be three huge impact players coming back in the lineup. And Petrie, by the way, for sure will get traded in the offseason, and the Canadians will get a prospect in return. No one who's going to make the team better right away. So can we please stop with this whole sign Giroux in the offseason or sign Latang in the offseason or sign Bergeron in the offseason? No, let nature take its course. Let this be the team that they are. Let them trade one or two more players and organically they will lose with regularity next season. They're going to fight. They're going to be competitive. They're going to have their good games. But at the end of the day, they're going to lose a lot more often than they're going to win. And they're going to have a chance at Connor Bedard or Mijkov, two generational players. I would rather see... One of those two, and I know there's no guarantee you'll draft first or second, no, but no. if you can, I'd rather see one of those two for the next decade than to see Bergeron, Latang, or Giroux at 35. <laughs> so I mean, is the, at 37, I used to wake up three times in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Come so so is, the big, is the big win for you tonight the fact that there was a, a, a decent pushback, but there was a loss? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I thought that was a big win. And for me, the big win is I think people are going to start seeing clearer now. I want people to stop talking stupid. Like, you know, let's start this guy. Is this a joke or what? Is this a joke? JP, tell me. It's a joke or what? Well, and you want to sign Latang and you want to sign Giroux in the offseason. Yeah. It's a joke. Well, I, I, I think that's you, you're dreaming in Technicolor there if, if you okay. think that that's going to happen, uh, Tony. I, 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 I didn't say I, that's going to happen. That's the talk. That's what people want them to no, do. No, that's what I'm saying. When I say yeah. when I say you, yeah. I just mean the you know yeah. the, the the big you, right? The the big uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't see the the I don't see the value in it, you know. And and yeah. and let's remember too that you know there's there's a lot of dollars that are still yet to be allocated, and and guys like uh, Romanov are, are a is a is a restricted you know free agent. There's there's going to be money that has to be allocated to important players on this team. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Listen, Claude Giroux could play on my team any day he likes. Yeah. But not rebuilding. He can play in Florida. Absolutely, he can play in Florida for sure. And he's going to have a huge role on that team. Yeah. And I would never, ever bet against Bergeron. But I would rather see him play for the Bees than play in Montreal at the end of his career. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I get the whole thing with mentorship. Get a mentor who's going to cost you $2 million a year who's not going to make you win a lot of games instead of getting a mentor who's going to cost you six, seven, eight million dollars a year, who is good enough to make you win games, but in the end is going to end up hurting you because you're going to end up missing the playoffs likely anyway, and you're going to end up drafting 12th or 13th. So I don't want that. No, and let's not let's not forget how important those players are. The fact that you just brought up mentorship is is a huge component to a rebuilding team because you can't just have uh, the Brady to Chucks and the, and the Josh uh, Norris's and the Alex Formantons and the Stutzlas. And you can't just have that. You need those link players who are able to communicate with the young guys who are able to connect them to the older guys. Those guys in the middle are so critically important and they're yeah. going to be really important for the Canadians to identify. And if they need to go out and get goals, those are the guys that they need to go and get. Kind of like what they had with Perry and Stahl a year ago. Sure, except and they're that, not going to break the bank. That's what no, I want, right? That's right. Exactly. Yep, for sure. All right. And on that note, why don't we do this? We say goodnight. Thanks so much for doing this. You got it, Tony. Anytime. All right. Thanks so much. It's the Sick Podcast, Marinero. Tell all your friends about it. The guy that hosts has got curly hair. He's got bluish green eyes. He says, is this a joke? And the guy's pretty sick. I'm Marinero. Follow us, the Sick Podcast. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>